He's our Aussie correspondent, Chris Russell, based out of Sydney. And like Eddie Jones and the Wallabies, he'll be watching the Rugby World Cup final this weekend with much interest. Chris, I know you've got uh, family in New Zealand, so you'll be cheering on the All Blacks. Well, see, normally I back Australia and whoever's playing New Zealand, but I can't bring myself to back the South Africans. So, uh, and, and under influence of my wife, a staunch New Zealander, um, who wouldn't speak to me for a fortnight if I backed the South Africa against her, then I'm, I'm going to be hoping that you guys get up. Absolutely. Good on you. Hey, El Nino is really starting to bite in Australia, and what's happening in Australia is having a real effect on us here in New Zealand, especially around sheep meat prices. And they tell me that things are getting quite desperate, for instance, in Western Australia. Yeah, so this is a a big problem now. The beef producers in Western Australia in particular are having to make some tough choices here because normally they they would, you know, they're expecting to be able to have, you know, cook years. In fact, their normal is to have one year in seven that's a good year. But drought-stricken Western Australian producers are now thinking, well, we're either got to give away or shoot our cattle because um, they're getting calls from their agents saying, look, don't send them to the markets because we're just not getting a bid uh, because there's nobody else wants them over here as well. And they are facing at the moment their driest year in 30 years this year in the top of Western Australia. Prices are poor because no-one wants to buy lightweight cattle because they haven't got any feed either way either. So it's a very tricky situation and uh, they've now got to decide, well, do they shoot them? Well, that's the last resort, really. Um, they don't want to do that, so can they feed them and, and uh, keep them up? And if they're running out of money, well, maybe they've got to give them away to somebody. And the, even the East, which normally would be a backup market, even though it's expensive to truck them here, um, that's having such a dry time that they're not buying them either, Jamie. Yeah, well, I was going to ask about the East Coast. Is it faring any better? Well, little bits of it are okay. Down in Victoria, they've had a bit of rain, but the western of New South Wales, no, absolutely not. Um, Very dry. And, um, you know, though I'm hearing reports of the last of some of the wheat crops being bailed, um, you know, they just wasn't worth harvesting. So it'll still be a reasonable year because of the amount of crop that's been uh, brought in down in the south, in Victoria particularly. But West New South Wales is, uh, as they say in the vernacular, dry as a dead dingo's donger, Jamie. (laughs) Exactly. How are your dairy farmers faring? Because uh, I see that the Bega farmers, now Bega, correct me if I'm wrong, is is an Australian dairy company and the farmers are saying you need to pay up because they're looking for their slice of the pie. Yes, I I think the farmers are saying, look, get used to it. You guys have... um, uh, you know, you put all the prices up, the supermarkets have put the prices up, the uh, Norco are paying um, more money now to the farmers, which is, they're saying, long overdue because they, they've struggled when they were the meat and the sandwich. Well, now there's a realisation that if you don't pay them enough money, you're going to lose a th- over a third of the dairy licence in Victoria have gone now. So having said that, they're now saying, well, unfortunately, you're going to have to pay some of your profits out to these guys as well because they haven't had a decent pay rise for 10 years. So um, some of Bega now has reached an initial agreement, but some of the uh, claims uh, up in Norco and down in Victoria against Fonterra, Sapuza and those companies uh, are just uh, people, they're just saying we can't afford those sort of uh, claims for 27% over three years and so on. So... Um, I think if they can come up, I think the the latest compromise offer is 15%. I think the offer on the table is 11%. So they're obviously getting...
getting closer. But um, farmers have, I think there's been over 100,000 litres of milk who'd been tipped down the drain because they just couldn't get picked up by striking tanker drivers. Well, you mentioned Norco. They've had all sorts of problems because they got their dairy operation flooded out in Lismore. Yes, but despite that, they've still made a $9 million profit, which, uh, you know, is, I think, um, a pretty good result. Um, and uh, I think that they were happy to see that profit come in. It's not a huge amount of money, but nonetheless, they have made a profit, um, despite the fact that I've got pictures of their factory with the water halfway out the windows, Jamie. Farmers say fix the 32-kilometre hole in the 6,000-kilometre dog fence. That's quite a big hole, Chris. Yes, well, this is the the biggest sort of physical barrier against pests in the world, uh, to my knowledge. 5,600 kilometres running through three states, Queensland, New South Wales and South Australia. And uh, there's a gap down there uh, on the South Australian-New South Wales border where there's about 32 kilometres of it with holes all through it. I saw it recently when we were down there, and, and they're saying that if the dogs are actually able to get through and get established on both sides of the fence, particularly on the southern side, then, uh, you know, the whole point of that fence was to stop that ever happening. And uh, the whole point of the money that you already spent on the fence is, is going out the window because, you know, it's only as good as its weakest point. So um, it's a slow process getting this um, fixed because of the lack of money. Um, the economic impact of wild dogs in Australia is around about $111 million per annum, um, of which about a, a quarter of that is in New South Wales. So uh, it's, it, we're talking quite a lot of money, and the government just needs to, in, in a tight budget situation, get their act together and get some of that fence um, re-established to make sure that we don't end up with you know, a dog fence with dogs living on both sides of it. Sounds a bit like Donald Trump's fence. Okay, let's just finish on sport. We started talking about the Wallabies. Your uh, cricket side's going a bit better now after a slow start in the Cricket World Cup and no, none other than Glenn Maxwell, the big show, setting a World Cup record, 140 balls. Flashy yeah, player. Uh, unbelievable. Um, and, uh, you know, fastest one-day century for Australia. And I believe the fourth fastest ever in any form of the game. Um, so he, he was uh, he quite amazing and completely overshadowed um, uh, Warner's 100. He got it yet another 100. Uh, this is against, I must say, Netherlands, who are supposed to be a minnows. But they've had a pretty good... A series so far over there, but nonetheless we've come with a big victory against um, against them, which puts us right back on firing on all eight cylinders now in this cup, having got off to a pretty ordinary start. Maxwell hit nine fours and eight sixes, so you know that's a, a pretty good effort in 40 balls, and uh, maybe more of a comment on the Netherlands bowling, Jamie. Well, you enjoy the Cricket World Cup because you can't enjoy the Rugby World Cup. We'll enjoy that on this side of the Tasman. Chris Russell, thanks as always for your time on the country. No worries, Jamie.